I'd like to introduce to you today's special guest speaker. He was one of my favorite Bible college professors. He's Pastor John's brother-in-law, and he cares deeply about this church. Would you welcome Pastor Larry Powers? Good morning, Antioch Church. It's so awesome to be with uh, all of you guys. This is like home to us, uh, especially since it's just like family to us. As uh, Pastor John mentioned in uh, the intro video, I'm uh, your pastor, John Hamstutz, his brother-in-law. Uh, I'm married to his oldest sister, uh, my beautiful wife, a 35-year. Stand up, Miss Colleen. Uh, it was such a blessing to watch your pastor uh, grow up. He was like a younger brother to me. Uh, meet and marry uh, one of those most amazing uh, w women in the world, Kim, and uh, have two kids and become your pastor. How many love Pastor John and Kim? Huh? They're amazing. And a uh, really special blessing for all of us, uh, our, our, for uh, Colleen and I, was to get to be with uh, our niece and our nephew. Uh, in the first service, Jordan was in here. I think he's working with the kids uh, in this service. Uh, but uh, how many glad Miss Courtney is back in California where she belongs? <laughs> Got her. We are, Courtney, we're so proud of you and so proud of Jordan. Uh, too. And uh, not only them, but I see Miss Kimmy back here, uh, Kimmy and Luis. Uh, this is like home for us. So thank you for letting us come out, hang out with you and teach the Bible to you. Well, how many, how many brought a Bible with you today? Let me see all the Bibles in the house. Okay, wonderful. Please open in your Bible, if you will, to the book of James, James chapter 1. As um, I was praying about what to share with you today. The Lord really strongly put on my heart a precious portion of Scripture in James chapter, James chapter 1. It's a small passage of Scripture, but it is filled with some profound and powerful truths. And as I've been praying and thinking about our time today, I just had such a sense in my heart uh, that God wanted to speak to a lot of us that are here today and in a very clear and important way. And so as we come to study this passage, um, the title of the message I've given today is Blessings in Disguise. Blessings in Disguise. And the scripture we want to look at is in James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. And as we come to study God's word, um, let's pray together. And as we come to pray, if you'll just hold your open Bible out in front of you, that would... That would be so great. Let's pray, can we? God, there are not enough words in all the languages of the world to describe how grateful we are for the book we hold in our hands, how much we love this book. It is the greatest book in the world. It is the greatest book in all of human history for this book. And only this book is the word of the living God, is the very breath of God. It is light to our path. It is food when we are hungry. It is water when we are thirsty. 
God, we thank you so much for each and every chapter of the Bible, each and every verse of the Bible, each and every word of the Bible. But we especially thank you for the verses we get to study together today. There's something so significant about these words, something so hopeful and so encouraging about these words. And so we pray as we study this passage together today that your Holy Spirit would do what he is so faithful and good to do, and that is to teach us to apply the word of God to our minds and our hearts. And Lord, we pray when all is said and done that you would be honored and praised and glorified. We ask these things in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The story is told about a Christian man, perhaps you've heard it before, he was the only survivor of a shipwreck and he landed on an uninhabited island, a small little island, and he began to pray, oh God, send someone to rescue me, please Lord, send someone to rescue me, and no one came, and no one came, and no one came. After a few weeks, he had managed to build a crude little hut out of driftwood and some palm branches, and there he could keep the few belongings that he had, and he had shelter from the elements, and he had a little campfire out in front of it, and one day he was off scavenging for food, and when he came back to where his campsite was, his hut had caught on fire. One of the embers from the fire had blown into his hut, and his, his hut was fully engulfed in flames, and there was smoke just ascending up to the sky, and after being shipwrecked and after no one coming to rescue him, it just was overwhelming to him. And he fell to his knees right there on the beach and he just began to cry out, God, why? <laughs> why would you allow these things to happen in my life? Why would you allow me to be shipwrecked? Why, why is no one coming to rescue me? And now my hut is caught on fire. I don't, I don't get it, God. I don't understand, God. Why would you allow all this to happen in my life? And he was... So exhausted and distraught, he just fell asleep, and after a while, he heard something, and he was awakened to the sound of a ship that was coming ashore. There were some rescuers there that were coming to save him, and when they came up on the beach, he said, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for coming to rescue me. He said, I'm so grateful, but I just have one question, and that is, how did you know that I was here and they said, well, that's easy. We saw your smoke signal. <laughs> His hut catching on fire, the smoke ascending up to the sky. They had seen it from a distance. They thought someone was in danger, and they had come to rescue him. How amazing. How amazing that what he thought was the worst thing in his life was actually the best thing in his life. How amazing that what he thought was the greatest difficulty was actually an answer to prayer. How amazing that what he thought was the greatest trouble he was facing was actually God working. His hut catching on fire was a blessing in disguise. And how true that is in your life, in my life, 
Dear ones, I have come with an encouraging word for you today, and that is that the Bible says God works all things together for good to those who love God and to those who are the called according to his purpose. If there's anyone who knew that, it was James, the brother of Jesus. In the passage that's before us in the Word of God today, James is trying to remind Christians in the first century about how troubles and trials and difficulties in life are actually the blessing of God in disguise. In fact, that's what the whole book is about. But the most important part of the book is the first part, is the very first few verses. Look then at what James writes in James chapter 1, verse 2 through 4. I'm reading today from the New American Standard Version, which reads this way, My brethren, count it all a joy when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. But let endurance have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. There is much that James has to tell us. There is much that God's word has to teach us in these few short verses. But this morning, I want to be very simple with you. I want to talk to you about three things that we see in this passage Three things that you can easily remember and take away from this message to apply to your life. If you happen to have a piece of paper and a pen, I would highly encourage you to write these three things down because they'll be a blessing to you as you go back to this passage to study it again, and they will enable you to share what you have learned today with someone else. Even if you don't have a piece of paper, write it in your Bible. It's so good and so significant. Three things that we see in this passage. First of all, we're going to see in verse 3 the reason for our trials. Then secondly, in verse 4, the result of our trials. And finally, number 3, in verse 2, the response to our trials. The reason for our trials the result of our trials, and the response to our trials. A first important thing that we see in this passage is the reason for our trials. That's what we see in verse 3. Look there again at what James says. He says, know this, that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Dear ones, there is a divine reason why you and I go through the things that we go through, our troubles and our trials and our difficulties. Our troubles are not meaningless. They are meaningful. They are designed by God. And why does God allow us to face, to encounter these trials? Well, notice here in verse 3, underline that little phrase, the testing of your faith. The testing of your faith. Faith is believing in God. Do you really believe in God? You can say you believe in God, 
but do you really believe in God? No one will know whether you really believe in God. Even you will not know if you really believe in God until that belief is tested. Until you go through a circumstance in which you have to trust God. You see, faith isn't faith unless you have to have faith. <laughs> trust isn't trust unless you have to trust. If you know why you're going through everything you're going through, you don't have to trust. But when you don't know why you're going through what you're going through, then all of a sudden you have to trust God. You have to believe in him. And what James is saying here, what God is saying here, is that God loves you and I so much, he wants to increase your faith. So he lets you go through one test so you believe in God. Then the next test is a little harder. Then the next test is a little harder. Then the next test is a little harder so that your faith grows and grows and grows and grows and grows. But you don't have to have faith if you know why everything is going on in your life. You only have to have faith when you don't understand. Why, Lord? How come you're doing this? How come you're allowing this to happen? But when you go to the scripture, you understand that everything going on in your life is working for good. It's not meaningless. It's meaningful. There's a purpose. There's a poem that I love so much. I, I read it quite often. <laughs> It's a poem called Disappointment. It's a great poem. It's based on the idea that if you take the word disappointment and you just change the first letter of that, you change the D to an H, all of a sudden, disappointment becomes his appointment. What you think is a disappointment is actually an appointment by God. It's something God has designed and allowed. Oh, I love this poem. There, there are four verses to it. It says this disappointment, his appointment, change one letter, then I see that the thwarting of my purpose is God's better choice for me. His appointment must be blessing, though it may come in disguise. For the end from the beginning, open to his wisdom lies. Disappointment, his appointment is the Lord's who loves me best, understands and knows me fully, who my faith and love would test. For like earthly loving parent, he rejoices when he knows that his child accepts unquestioned all that from his wisdom flows. Third verse, disappointment, his appointment. No good thing will he withhold. From denials often we gather treasures of his love untold. Well, he knows each broken purpose leads to fuller, deeper trust. And the end of all God's dealings proves our Lord is wise and just. Last verse, disappointment. His appointment, Lord, I take it then as such, like the clay in hands of potter, yielding wholly to thy touch. All my life's plan is thy molding, not one single choice be mine. Let me answer in surrender, Father, not my will, but thine. 
What is the reason for trials? Verse 3, it's the testing of your faith. And notice in verse 3, know this, be certain of this, that the testing of your faith, it's going to do something to you. It will produce in you endurance, my translation says. The Old King James and the New King James says it produces patience. The NIV, some of you are reading, says it produces perseverance. The English Standard Version says it produces steadfastness. New American Standard, as I said, it produces endurance. You see, someone has said faith is like a muscle. It gets stronger and stronger and stronger the more you use it. It develops more and more and more. So if you were to go through some circumstance or situation right now that would be overwhelming for you, you say, well, I could never face that. Not now. But God allows you to go through one trial and you trust him, then a greater trial and you trust him, then a greater trial and you trust him, then a greater trial and you trust him, and pretty soon, all of a sudden, you're able to face something you never thought you could ever face. Why? Because there's perseverance in you. There's steadfastness in you. There's endurance in you. Someone as well said, God has allowed trials not to destroy us, but to develop us. The great Saint Augustine used to say, God not only allows trials to prove us, but to improve us. Faith, listen, is like a muscle. And it develops and develops and develops and develops and develops and develops. It's sort of like running. In 2009, I decided to do something insane, and that is to run a marathon. I grew up involved in all kinds of sports and athletics. I ran track, but I had never run a marathon. And so at the age of 50, I decided I'm not going to live my whole life and not be able to run a marathon. Now, believe me, I didn't go out and run 26.3 miles the first day. (laughs) Not even possible. I went out the first day and ran a mile. Then a few days later, two miles. And then three miles and four miles and five miles and seven miles and eight miles and 10 miles. I'd never run 10 miles before. Wow, I never thought I could do that. And then 11 and then 12 and then 14 and then 15 and 18 and then 20. And on March 22nd, 2009, I ran the Pasadena Marathon 26.3 miles and didn't stop even once. Never, listen, never thought I could do it. But over time, my muscles got stronger and stronger, and I developed endurance. And dear ones, God knows the end from the beginning in your life. He knows what is ahead in your life. And could it be the trial you're going through right now is strengthening you for what is ahead? Listen, I'm here to tell you today that the struggles you go through, they're not meaningless, they're meaningful. There's a reason and a purpose for them. But a second thing we see in our passage, note it, is the result of our trials. The reason for them, verse 3, the result of them, verse 4. And what is that? That we become everything God wants us to be. 
Notice in verse 4, but let endurance have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Now, when James uses the word perfect here or complete here, he's not talking about you getting to the place that you're sinless or that you're absolutely perfect, you can do no wrong. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about you come to the place of maturity. You come to the place of strength. You come to the place of development and growth. You see, God is more concerned about your character than your comfort. He's more interested in who you are becoming than the enjoyable things around you. He loves you so much. He wants you to grow up and mature and develop. And if the testing of your faith produces that steadfastness, the end result is going to be something incredible in your life. See, God has in mind what he's making you to be. You are God's masterpiece. You're God's work of art. You are God's delight. And in his mind, he sees something he wants you to be. And you know, here's the thing. Deep down, if you knew what that was, it's the greatest thing you could ever want, the greatest thing you could ever be. But listen, the greatest thing you want to be, the thing that God wants for your life, can never happen unless there's hardship and trial and trouble to get you there. The story is told of a Christian man up in the Northwest. He lived in the state of Oregon, and he was going through a real difficult time in his life, and he just didn't understand why, what was going on. And so one day he's decided to drive out in the woods, and he was driving in the backwoods of Oregon, and he noticed there was a small river running by the road, and he saw a lumberjack down there working with some logs that were floating downstream. He, he was curious, so he just pulled over to watch for a little while, and as he was watching, most of the logs were going right by the lumberjack down the river. But every once in a while, the lumberjack would take this long pole with a sharp hook at the end of it, and he would reach out that hook, and he would hook one of the logs, and he would pull it aside and collect it. And he waited a few moments later. He would hook one of the logs, and he would pull it aside, and he would save it. And then he would hook another one of the logs, and... This man was curious, what is that guy doing? This doesn't seem to make any sense. And so he got out of his car and he went down by the riverbank and he said, excuse me, sir, I've been up there watching you and I'm just curious, what are you doing? Why do you hook some of the logs but let most of the rest of them go by? And, and the lumberjack said, oh, that's easy. He said, most of the logs that are passing by are from trees that grew in the valley where the climate and the weather is very mild. And because of that, their lumber, their wood is very coarse. It's just, you know, good for common, ordinary things. But he said, every once in a while, there's a tree that passes by that comes from high up in the mountains. And high up in the mountains, it's very cold. And the weather's very severe up there. There are storms, and the wind blows and batters against the tree. And what it does, said the lumberjack, 
is it toughens the grain of that tree, making it more and more beautiful. And the wood that comes from the trees that face all that adversity is so precious. It's the wood they use to make violins. It's not ordinary wood. It's precious wood. The man got back in his car and God began to speak to his heart. And he understood Why the trouble, the trial, the difficulty? Because God sometimes is working in your life. He sees something beautiful ahead. But you'll never get to that place of blessing and beauty unless you go through the hardship that you go through now. It is very much like a potter and the clay. You know, one of the images of God in the Bible is a potter. He is the potter and we are the clay. And a potter, you know, he takes a lump of clay and he slaps it down on the wheel and then it starts spinning around and around and around. And from the standpoint of the clay, putting yourself in the the place of the clay, it's confusing. Everything is spinning. What, What are you doing? And then the potter begins to push and shove on the clay from this angle and that angle and the other angle. And then sometimes he'll take out a sharp instrument. He'll start carving away pieces of the clay. And then, after all of that, he will take the clay and put it in a fiery oven. And he will fire that clay. Why? Because he has in his mind something beautiful, something incredible that he's making and he's working in that clay. And so it is with you and so it is with me. There's a reason why we're going through what we're going through and the end result is going to be something beautiful, something incredible. That's one thing definitely I learned from my precious mama. My mom is now in heaven, and when I was growing up, we went through all kinds of difficulties and hardships, and my mom just, she used to teach us so many wonderful things about God, so many things that I learned, I learned from the songs she would sing. Sometimes we were driving in the car, and it was long before cell phones, thank God, it was long before there were screens on the cushions of the seats and all that kind of stuff. We actually had to talk to people sing and worship in your car. And I remember my mom often singing when we were going through hard times. A song called Have Thine Own Way. She would sing, Have Thine Own Way, Lord. Have Thine Own Way. You are the potter. I am the clay. Mold me and make me After thy will, while I am waiting, yielded and still. Dear ones, I've come with a message of hope and encouragement for you today. I don't know what circumstance or difficulty you're going through, but I'm here to tell you today. I'm here to remind you from the word of God today. There's a reason why it's happening. And the end result in your life, when you see it, is going to be something so spectacular and beautiful, it will literally take your breath away. God knows what he's doing in your life. He's working all things together for good. But that brings us... To the third thing we see in this passage, 
And that is the response to our trials. The reason for them, God is testing our faith to make us strong and enduring. The result of them, he's making something beautiful that will be a blessing to him and to others. But thirdly, what is the response to our trials? To praise God. To praise God for what's happening. This is what we see back in verse 2. Look there again. Notice how James begins this whole thing. He says, my brothers, count it all joy then. When you encounter, when you face, when you go through all different kinds of of trial. What's, what's he talking about when he says, count it all joy, consider it all joy? Here's what he's talking about. He's talking about worship. He's talking about being joyful in the midst of the circumstance. Paul, who had endured the Philippian jail, Paul, who was under house arrest in Rome, would write to the Philippians in Philippians 4 and verse 4, rejoice in the Lord. Always oh, the circumstance is not good. What may be happening to you is not good, but God is good, but God is good. That's why Paul wrote in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 18, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ concerning you. Not everything is good, but God is good. And so in the middle of what we're going through, in the middle of the trouble and difficulty, because we know God is working for an end result in our life that is good, we can say, Lord... I don't understand, but I praise you. Lord, I worship you. I honor you. I glorify you. We give to God what the Bible calls the sacrifice of praise. Hey, it's easy to praise God when it's easy to praise God. <laughs> it's easy to praise God when everything's going so well, but not so easy to praise God when you're going through hardship and difficulty it's like Job. It's like Job. In one day, he lost all of his possessions. In one day, all of his children were killed. His friends turned against him. Even his wife turned against him. He lost his health. But what did he do? His circumstance, listen, way more difficult than yours and mine. What did he do? God, I'm so mad at you. <laughs> no, no, no. He said, the Lord gives, the Lord takes away, but blessed be the name of the Lord. I don't understand, God. I don't understand why you give sometimes and take away sometimes. I don't understand why you're allowing these things in my life, but I'm going to have joy in the middle of it. I'm going to praise you in the middle of it. I'm going to honor you in the middle of it. I'm going to glorify you in the middle of it. I like the worship chorus we sometimes sing by Matt Redman based on that passage in the book of Job. I like the song, Blessed Be Your Name. You remember these words, Blessed be your name in the land that is plentiful when the streams of abundance flow. Blessed be your name. But blessed be your name when I'm found in the desert place. Though I walk through the wilderness, blessed be your name. Blessed be your name when the sun's shining down on me, when the world's all that it should be. Blessed be your name. But blessed be your name on the road marked with suffering, though there's pain in the offering. 
Blessed be your name. Every blessing you pour out, I'll turn back to praise. When the darkness comes, still I will say, Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. James says, Consider it all joy. Worship the Lord. Honor the Lord. Glorify the Lord in the middle of it. And Job, listen, he did that so that in Job 23 and verse 10, he said this, And when he has tried me, I will come forth as gold. The most precious of metals, I will come forth as gold. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6 and 7, Peter writes, In this you greatly rejoice now, though for a little while, if need be, you are grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith being found more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to the praise and honor and glory at the coming of Jesus. Somehow, all that you and I go through, listen, it refines us to the place that we become so precious to God. In ancient times, when they would refine gold, they would take solid gold and they would put it in a crucible and they would heat up that crucible and the refiner would melt down that gold and they would skim off this impurity and skim off that impurity and this bad thing and that other bad thing and he would keep heating it up and skimming it off but he knew the gold was as precious as it could be when he looked down into that gold in the crucible and he could see a reflection of his own face then he knew all the impurities were gone. Then it was as precious as it could be. And so with you and me, a wise man once said, when God refines this, he keeps one hand on the temperature gauge and one eye on the clock. He knows just how much you can take. He knows just how long it will take. And he's allowing it. He's doing it for a good reason and a good purpose and in the middle of all of it, when you get that, when you understand that, you can praise the Lord and worship the Lord and glorify the Lord, no matter what's going on. There was a contemporary Christian music pioneer by the name of Andre Crouch who lived out in the San Fernando Valley, and he is best known for his most famous song, a song called Through It All. In the middle of the kind of thing we're talking about this morning, God gave him such a precious song. He wrote these unforgettable words. I've had many tears and sorrows. I've had questions for tomorrow. There have been times I didn't know right from wrong. But in every situation, God gave me blessed consolation that my trials come to only make me strong. So I thank God for the mountains, and I thank him for the valleys, and I thank him for the storms that he's brought me through. For if I'd never had a problem, I'd never know that God could solve them. I'd never know what faith in his word could do. Through it all, through it all, I've learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned to trust in God. Through it all, through it all, I've learned to depend on his word. This is what God is doing in your life. It's what he's doing in my life. He's working our faith to, to where it becomes stronger and stronger because he knows what's ahead. He knows the endurance that we're going to need. He's doing all of this to make us beautiful in his sight. And so in the midst of it, we praise him and glorify him and honor him. 
This was a lesson a great missionary named Letty Cowman learned in an unforgettable way. Many years ago, there was a missionary couple, Charles and Letty Cowman, and they served for many years on the mission field, undergoing tremendous hardships and difficulties, and so many of her experiences were written down in a great devotional book called Streams in the Desert. If you've never seen that little book, you should get that book. It will bless your heart. Just short little devotions for every day. And in that devotional, she tells about the turning point in her heart when they were going through a time of great, great hardship and difficulty. She didn't understand why they were going through what they were going through. And one day she just went out behind their little mission house to talk to the Lord about it. She sat down at a picnic bench and as she looked up in the tree that was near her, she could see there, there was a cocoon. And there was an emperor moth, it's like a butterfly, that was emerging out of that cocoon. She was curious about it, so she carefully snapped off the branch. She stuck it on the table and she sat there patiently to watch. Struggling, 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 that emperor moth was trying to get out of the cocoon. But the more and more it struggled, it didn't seem like it ever was going to come out of that cocoon. She thought something must be wrong. She, she felt compassion for this poor little emperor moth. And so uh, in her compassion, she went in the house. She went in the bathroom, got a pair of manicure scissors, and she came back out. And with surgery-like precision, she just carefully clipped the edge of the cocoon so that it would make it easier for the emperor moth to get out. And in a few moments, it did. It emerged from the cocoon. Only when it emerged from the cocoon, it wasn't like any emperor moth she had ever seen. Instead of having these big, beautiful wings, this emperor moth had these tiny, little, shriveled-up, ugly wings, and its torso was all swollen and huge. She thought, what in the world? Something's wrong with this emperor moth. And she began to do a little research, and she discovered in clipping that cocoon, she'd done the absolute worst thing she could ever have done for that emperor moth. You see, God has designed in nature that the emperor moth, when it struggles to get out of the cocoon, all of the fluids that are in its torso, that are in its body, they're shoved out into its wings, and it's the struggle to get out of the cocoon that makes the emperor moth so beautiful. And the Lord spoke to that great missionary, Lady Kalman. This is why. This is why the struggle. This is why the difficulty. This is why the trial because there's something beautiful I'm making in your life. There's something wonderful that I want to do. You may not see it now. You may not understand it, but one day you will. Dear ones, I don't know what's going on in your life, and I don't know what's ahead in your life. All I know is your wonderful pastor asked if I would come teach the Bible to you, and God really strongly put on my heart go out there to Antioch Church in Simi Valley and remind them about James chapter 1, verse 2 to 4. Remind them that blessings come in disguise. We're going to finish in a bit different way today. We're going to watch a short five-minute video. I want to explain about the video before we watch it. It's a 
video of a song written by a young worship leader named Laura Story. Back in 2005, Laura Story married her high school sweetheart, Martin. They became worship leaders together in a huge church down in Atlanta, Georgia, and everything was so wonderful in their life. But three years into their marriage, they hit the worst trial you can imagine. Her husband, her young husband, Martin, was diagnosed with a brain tumor. And he began to undergo all kinds of treatments and surgeries and things they never would have imagined in their young life. Thankfully, in time, God touched and healed Martin. But in the middle of the struggle, as she sat there hour by hour by hour in the hospital, God began working all these things we're talking about today in her heart. And God gave her a song, a little song called Blessings. That song is such a powerful song. It's brought such hope to people, brought such encouragement to people, brought such insight to people, but she never would have written the song without the struggle. She came to know and understand that blessings often come in disguise. Let's watch this video called Blessings, and then we're going to pray. Let's watch. protection while we sleep we pray for healing for prosperity we pray for your mighty hand to ease our suffering all the while you hear each spoken need yet love is way too much to give us lesser things cause what if your blessings come through raindrops what if your healing comes through tears what if a thousand sleepless nights are what it takes to know you're near what if trials of this life your mercies in disguise we pray for wisdom your voice to hear and we cry in anger when we cannot feel you near we doubt your doubt your love as if every promise from your word is not enough and all the while you hear each desperate plea and long that we'd have faith to believe 
God, we thank you so much for gathering us all together here today to worship you, to fellowship with each other, to remind us from your word how you are a God who brings blessings in disguise. Forgive us, Lord, for our grumbling and our complaining. Forgive us, Lord, for doubting and questioning you. Thank you, Lord, you love us enough to put us through trials of faith that we might believe in you more and more and more and we, we know that we know that we know that we know that you are a good God and you work all things together for good. Something beautiful is ahead. We don't know what but you do and we put our lives in your hands and we leave this place today Lord praising you, worshiping you, honoring you, glorifying you no matter what's going on in our life. God, I thank you so much for Pastor John and Kim and bless them, Lord, as they are away. Just encourage them. Just renew them, refresh them, and bring them back, Lord. Just focused, recharged, restored, re-energized, Lord, for the next phase of Antioch Church. And God, we thank you so much for this incredible place. You've done great things here, but we believe greater things are yet to come. So, Lord, do the work that only you can do. Bless each person as they leave today. May they leave with hope and encouragement and joy in their heart. We thank you and praise you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said amen. 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 God bless you so much. Have a great day.